how many companies are working with an old bound strategy. Buyer personas are spending 50% of their uh, buyer's journey without even meeting us. Hello, and a big welcome to Hot Sauce, where we'll cover the hottest topics within Sauce, together with brilliant guests. Are you also curious about fast-growing companies and the people behind them? Welcome aboard. My name is Max Nyman. I'm the CEO of LimeGo, and this is an interactive podcast where you can give suggestions on upcoming guests and topics. You can also jump into discussions with other listeners by leaving comments or upvoting their suggestions. I'm determined to become one of the greatest within B2B sauce, which is why I invite thought leaders and pick their brains about how to scale their companies. However, there are so many fast-growing companies out there and new ones appearing all the time. I only know a fraction, and that's why I want to give you the opportunity to have an impact on the episodes and its content. Hit the link in the episode to interact and affect. Enough already, let's get to it. All right. Very, very welcome, Joachim Lisinski. Thank you very much, Max. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you. Happy to be here as well. Nice. Uh, I'm super curious to have you on board and to pick your brain in terms of the different companies you worked at and your role and so on. Uh, but can you just please uh, mention short, which company do you work for at the moment and uh, what role? So currently I'm working for uh, Netigate, um, a Swedish uh, SaaS company uh, in the employee and customer experience space. Um, and um, uh, currently holding uh, a VP sales position, um, also done um, an interim role here as uh, chief revenue officer. Hmm. All right. And uh, in short, for those that don't know, uh, what do you sell? Yeah, so we sell a SaaS platform. Um, let's not go much, too much into products, maybe, <laughs> but being able for um, any type of company out there to work with the customer experience and um, uh, employee experience. So basically trying to understand and work with employees on one side, customers on the other side, and get insights uh, to that work. Mm-hmm. So is it mainly focusing on like NPS or, or the pulse? Uh, what, type of, what type of metrics are, are part of that? Yeah, so those two are important metrics uh, for so NPS on the, on the customer side, uh, EMPS, so employee NPS, um, uh, net promoter score uh, for the employees. So it depends a little bit which direction we do both. Um, uh, customer satisfaction, uh, employee satisfaction, and so on. There's about 10, 15 metrics, I think, on, on both sides that are, are relevant uh, as KPIs. Mm-hmm. Cool. And uh, Netigate, uh, in, in terms of markets and size, uh, how big is, is uh, your team and where are you located? Uh, um, yeah, geographical markets, ARR, something like that. Yeah, so um, we are um, a leading supplier within this space uh, in the Nordics and in the Dach region. Uh, That is uh, uh, where we also have offices and uh, and local staff. Um, So mainly, yeah, uh, Sweden, Norway and uh, Germany. Uh, We are uh, active on the European market, uh, but uh, also quite focused on uh, on our core markets, which would be the Nordics and Dach. Okay. And uh, in terms of the the product or or maybe rather a platform that you sell, 
like how complex is it? Can you tell me a bit about the, the sales cycle? Maybe what kind of uh, companies you work with? Is it SMB enterprise? Yeah, so um, there's a fairly big span here, but uh, primarily we're talking mid-market. <clears throat> and uh, I mean, complexity, we have to see that, I think, from two different sides. Of course, complexity in terms of what the customer is using is, um, I think we do a pretty good job to uh, to not be complex and, uh, and very self-explained, of course. Yeah. Uh, I think if we talk about um, the sales side of the business, it ranges from fairly transactional, uh, so um, uh, quite short sales cycles and um, um, uh, and not so many uh, uh, customer touch points to more solution oriented and, and more complex uh, um, uh, sales cycles or customer journeys. Mm. It depends a lot around the maturity, I think, of the customer, as of course there is a journey from maybe starting off by using a platform using focus to to work with if it's mps or emps and so on uh to really come to the end stage of uh, being able to deliver an employee experience which is obviously much more than you know um, uh, one type of kpi mm. and i guess that's like the end goal where you want to bring your your customers <clears throat> but a lot of people are starting from from nothing mainly Yes, uh, that's correct. I think, of course, there are differences with the markets. Nordic in general, we have a high digital adaptation. So this is not uh, news basically for any company out there. Maybe the really small ones are starting off. So mm. I would say there's a certain level of maturity in the market. And the vision with many companies within the mid-market space i mean we also work with enterprise uh, that is more towards the the, the end goal uh, yeah mm-hmm. and uh, your role being um, vp of sales uh, what kind of metrics is most important for you and maybe also a bit why <laughs> yeah so um um I would I would say it. Um, so I'll, I'll try to be specific on the VP sales one. Um, mm. Obviously, I had um, paused here as well as a CRO, which would you know be other type of metrics um, uh, yep. going up in the stack. But um, I mean, we're <clears throat> we're um, um, roughly a hundred and fifty uh, people company, so <clears throat> when we talk about VP sales titles, etc. As you know, I've, I've been in this market for 20, 25 years. I think I've experienced all different kinds of titles and inflation in titles and so on. Yeah. Um, this is pretty much a hands-on job. Of yeah. course, it holds uh, aspects of uh, strategic direction, go to market, etc. Um, so I would, I would maybe put it in two different buckets. One is the more hands-on uh, sales leadership uh super i would say straightforward uh, kpis or metrics um i work a lot with the mix um, of uh, average sales cycle length deal size win rates hmm. i think the the three of them combined tells us a bit of a story uh we know if we can you know improve one what will happen with the other one and then we'll end up in a numbers game that can support the direction yeah yeah counting uh, back and forth <laughs> Yes, uh, obviously there's, um, uh, I, I like the kind of RevOps aspect of what I do. I pull numbers every day, more or less. 
trying to work out if my assumptions could be right or not. Can I support them with data, etc.? So, of course, there's a whole um, uh, degree of other uh, metrics or KPIs that I work with. But if we go back to the second bucket, which would be the more strategic one, um, of course, uh, I mean, the usual now kind of well-defined uh, sauce metrics, KPIs. So, of course, I want to understand our customer acquisition cost, um, mm. rule of 40, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm. And uh, talking a bit about the, the KPIs, and you mentioned the, the different roles, what would you say is the biggest difference in terms of the, the sales versus the like chief revenue officer role? Uh, how do they differ in terms of responsibilities and then what to measure and what to focus on? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Um, I've been uh, CRO or CSO uh, three times, I think, if we look uh, look at LinkedIn and my profile. Yeah, can, can, uh, you, can you mention yeah, the, yeah. the companies? Yeah, so um, um, uh, previous to Netigate, I was working uh, with Bannerflow another Swedish uh, SaaS company. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, uh, Handwerksdata. So basically ERP, um, so enterprise resource planning or whatever field management software uh, improving the life of uh, uh, the construction workers, electricians, etc. cetera. Uh, mm-hmm. Before that, I was spending uh, seven years in Snow Software uh, not as a CRO, but um, uh, yeah, I think senior director, which would be the equivalent of a VP position, is is kind of where I ended that uh, uh, job. Mm. So a lot of experience within <laughs> revenue and sales, in other words. Yeah. So yeah. maybe maybe back to your question. So what yeah. is the difference between this? Um, I think it depends heavily on the setup uh, when you go into the CRO role. Uh, I've seen all different versions about, you know, where you make the cuts. Uh, for me, uh, a CRO role and uh, the necessity or the, the advantage of having that role is when you orchestrate not only sales, but also marketing, customer success. You should be heavily tied and linked to product. Maybe that's not your responsibility. But for me, that is um, is the big differentiator. So you need to orchestrate and um, and, and work with uh, more aspects than maybe the the pure play sales teams. Mm. And it feels like the the CRO role first it's like focusing on on sales and marketing, and then maybe customer success, and then last piece of the puzzle is product. That's at least my. Uh, interpretation of, of like the priority order or uh, how would you say you, you rank this in, in priority and focus? Yeah, I would I would agree with you. I think the one between marketing and customer success depends a little bit. Also, how you see customer success in your organization. Uh, are they carrying a quota? Are they supposed mm. to deliver a result? Then, of course, this shifts more towards uh, sitting uh, with the CRO if it's a pure kind of support function, just make the customer happy, you include maybe first line support into this, then it's a little bit of a different animal. Mm. But still, I mean, this is this needs to be part of the mix from my perspective to in the end, you know, keep your eye on the ball, which is the customer and, and deliver value in the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like a lot of companies have different interpretations of the customer success role. It can be almost 90% support or it can be 100% sales and quota. 
Yeah, it, it is an interesting one. Um, and um, I mean, I have my kind of strong opinion about it. Uh, but of course, that always needs to align with how the company is structured uh, um, in other aspects, right? Uh, yeah. For me, customer success uh, should carry, like they should be set up to, um, um, I think if I, if I can design this, I would put a quota to it. Uh, even knowing that some, I think the, um, the challenge with customer success is typically you find two different personalities in there. You have one part that really enjoys, you know, the selling part of it and wants yeah. to grow revenue, uh, more leaning towards sales, while the other one is maybe more leaning to, uh, towards support. So I don't want to drive revenue, but I want to make sure that this customer is, is straight up happy with what we deliver. Yeah. Uh, and of course, that you know, is I guess the big challenge for a lot of organizations when you look whether you should have uh, quota carriers there or not. Yeah, yeah, because if if you put the quota on the CS rep, I guess the whole adoption, usage, customer health score, MPS, uh, for example, those kind of drop in focus. Um. I mean, it it could be uh, it could be a risk or a challenge. How we want to put it, uh, I think how you, uh, I mean how you uh, steer that um, and and kind of what responsibility. Uh, I think typically, ideally, you end up in a bit of a hybrid. Yeah. So maybe you don't run with an over aggressive quota, uh, but then you also take responsibility for. Uh, both net revenue retention, but also gross revenue retention. So, yeah. you know, if we start to talk about churn, so customers leaving and all of that, it needs to be part of the mix and how we set up those uh, commission plans in the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah I think uh, NRR is, is probably one of the uh, most important KPIs for the CS team. Uh, it is. But also, I think um, uh, back to, you know, not uh, only encouraging that we will have an upside on, of our customers. Uh, I think having um, set uh, KPIs uh, connected with churning customers, etc. So we also orchestrate uh, that, uh, yeah, if we, if we come down, if we lose customers, uh, even though if we make more money with others, um, that that just needs to to be part of the mix as well. Yeah, I agree. And uh, moving the topic a bit uh, in terms of your experience when it comes to um, uh, yeah within the sauce industry for for a bunch of years, uh, as mentioned, uh, how come you are staying in this industry? Uh, why has it been why has it been so long? And and uh, uh, yeah, why do you stay at Netgate and uh, in, within sauce? Um. Yeah, no, I mean, I love it. Um, and I mean, Sauce is 25 years in the business. Uh, it wasn't called Sauce 25 years ago, but uh, let's let, <laughs> yeah. let's kind of settle on, you know, tech company software. Um, and uh, in the evolution of this, we have Sauce, of course. Um, yeah. I think I have a, a very deep interest in uh, technology. Uh, started early off with computers, programming, uh, wanting to understand how that worked. Um, also, quite soon, I had a commercial interest. Um, 
And this is kind of, of course, where I shifted over the years. Um, I think the combination of them, if we speak about SaaS specifically, it's a, it's a beautiful business model. Uh, it, uh, it can really scale if you do well. Um, mm. uh, I love the economy behind it. Uh, maybe not so much as a startup before you start earning your revenue. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a great business model. And the whole scaling part, I think, is super attractive. And um, if you hit it big, big, you can really hit it big. Um, and on the other hand, I think there's just so much value in what we can do with software, uh, how we can improve, uh, the daily life and, uh, efficiencies and whatever it is, uh, depending on, on what field we are in and what we're doing. So that is the other exciting part, which probably leans more towards the the engineering side of myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, as you say, being 25 within the industry, you've probably seen a lot of transformation moving from like up, up front uh, 100% into to likely 100% uh, license model instead. Uh, can you share some takeaways that you've learned during these uh, yeah, transition periods within the, the industry? Um, yeah, I think... Uh... Probably, you know, that first part was pretty much sitting with, uh, I think if we if we look from the technology side, on-premise software. So everyone yeah. had their, uh, their servers or data holes, machines running locally. You had a big IT department that took care of this. Um, business was not really driving investment strategy, etc. So it was IT, IT procurement. Uh, we sold something uh, that needed a lot of implementation and probably a lot of hours to get value. So mm. time to value took long, etc. Um, at that part of my life, it was more big ticket items. So big deals um, and uh, complex deals. Um, I think gradually... You have to be more patient then. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I worked quite... Quite a, uh, many years with plus twelve month sales cycles, uh, many yeah. different stakeholders, many different aspects. I think the evolution of this, so going from on premise and uh, and of course also then, yeah, you worked with with licenses. You bought a license and then you added consulting or you had in house capabilities to fiddle around and uh, you know work work those tools to work your way. Eventually. Also, what I love about Sauce, it's packaged. It delivers an instant value. Um, all that time, everyone was spending on their own chamber. That is now, of course, something that that can be scaled, and we deliver a much more clear value from from the get go. With that, of course, then um, uh, more consumption based models. Um, we look at. Um, yeah, monthly payments. Um, uh, you subscribe. Uh, you don't buy something for a large amount of money, and then you know, in the old days, you pay twenty percent to maintain the software back to the software vendor. Um, so mm. I think there's there's been a lot of uh, diff- um, a lot of changes with that. Uh, but I think maybe the most important one that I I'm super curious to see where we're going to end up is on the buyer side. So how do you actually buy software? Um, When I was with Snow, that was a software asset company. We spoke a lot about the change in the market when 
IT and procurement is no longer in charge of these investments. It's the business. So if I'm yeah. a business user out there, I have a need, I have a critical business process. How do I solve it? Well, I don't go and beg to IT to buy something for me. I swipe my card and I can, I can fix this problem tomorrow. And this is, of course, yeah. like a, a really big change in terms of how we sell and what we need to do with it. Mm. I feel like yeah, the, the bottom-up approach uh, organization-wise in terms of the buyer process instead of the top-down from, from uh, ahead of IT or whatever. Um, products that are maybe not enterprise, obviously, but a lot of the more SMB market companies have to support some sort of easy entry level or maybe a free version to penetrate those hungry uh, initiative um, people at the organizations to basically be able to penetrate. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And those are a whole, you know, there's a big stack of things that uh, uh, that you need to support with. Um, if we look at, you know, a buyer of any kind out in a business with with a problem or a challenge that maybe can be fixed with a with another SaaS platform. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say that typical buyer wants self-service, digital buyer's journey, whether that is me downloading, you know, a, a, a demo or a test account or whatever it is. Um, mm. And of course, then in contrast, um, uh, the explosion of um, uh, BDRs, so basically people trying to book sales meetings, uh, etc. Um, I can just see to myself, I'm not very likely to answer the phone with a number I don't know. And if someone is, you no. know, not super crisp about what they want, I typically just hang up. And I think that's the behavior of a lot of people. <laughs> so it's the self-service yeah. aspect and kind of driving the demand. Uh, so it's it's relevant content. We need to share more. We need to help that buyer on their digital journey before we even get a chance to meet them. And if we don't get that right, yeah. well, uh, someone else will probably. Yeah. And the, talking a bit about the, the uh, how to get pitched uh, aspect, I mean, you've been working with uh, sales and revenue for, for a lot of years and also uh, I can imagine seeing different type of salespeople and uh, characteristics and whatnot. Uh, would you say that there's a perfect sales persona and what kind of attributes does that uh, sales rep have? Yeah, um, I think in terms of... of personalities, attributes. No, there is no perfect uh, person. I think I've come across so many different type of people working in sales. I know that quite an interesting topic is how did you end up working in sales? And most yeah. people, they don't have an answer for that because we did not study it. Uh, we couldn't take the courses, but some something yeah. pulled us <laughs> into this. Ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's more about... Um, uh, I typically divide it into three topics if we talk about uh, uh, sales in general. So one is kind of your generic capacity as a salesperson. So that is knowing maybe the mythologies or being super skilled. Let's talk about medic or whatever yeah. mythology you are using and are trained on. Um, so basically what <clears throat> understanding what type of information do I need to work with to present some value for this uh, client? And what do I need to make my uh, calls about, you know, should I spend more time here or whatever it is? So maybe let's not explain medic here, but uh, I think 
you know, sales, framework, sales yeah. techniques, whatever you learned out there to, you know, work in, because we work in complex sales and there's degrees yeah. of complexity, but this is a, a big differentiator. We need to think, we need to think on our feet and we need to know our stuff. So that is for me, mm. you know, the, the foundation and you, if you come to me today from another job, that's what you bring with. Then the other two elements are uh, domain knowledge. So what do we actually know about our customers? What challenges are they facing? Do we actually know how to solve them for real? What is the context beyond our solution? So can we actually help them to be a strategic advisor? And having domain knowledge, really knowing your area, I think is is something that will not become less important moving forward also in contrast to to digital buyer journeys self-service etc so whenever yeah. you get to speak with that customer you better know what you're talking about otherwise you add absolutely no value into the process yeah. uh, i think the uh, the third one is product of course we need to know what parts of that puzzle we solve and and to be realistic about that uh so those are, I think, the three elements that uh, you always need to work on uh, for whatever sales personality you have out there. Uh, then I think if you, uh, if you have all of them uh, and, and know how to work them, then you could also be a challenger in your sales approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't take an answer uh, and say, okay, that sounds nice. And then uh, let's move on to the next question. No, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about that because I have an opinion or I think like, let's discuss this part. That's the challenge part mm. of it. Yeah. The teach Taylor take control, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the first one there, would you describe it as personality? Because the other two like domain and product. Um, I, yeah, to some extent, personality, yes, but I think it's also something uh, that can be trained. Uh, so okay. I I typically don't go back to... Mindset, uh, maybe. Mi- mindset, absolutely, yes. And dip- mm. regardless of your personality, you can always have a, a specific mindset, right? Mm. Yeah. So mindset, domain, and, and product, basically. Uh, learning those three, then then you can achieve great uh, results in sales. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> uh, and on that topic, uh, in, in um, a sales team, obviously you need a mix. But if you had to choose, would you rather prefer like a seasoned, experienced sales rep that's maybe yeah learned and, and does the framework in a specific way or maybe younger, moldable talent um which one would you would you go with um i think there is no right answer and i think it's it's the mix but it really depends on where you are as well so how complex uh, is your um, uh, is your uh, uh, sales um what type of is it are we talking about enterprise or you know um, and of course you can I think maybe not necessarily. It depends. Like if you are the big enterprise company with super big ticket items, you're the market leader, uh, you have an average deal size of uh, uh, 500k euros, whatever it is, um, Mm. then maybe, you know, you would lean more towards uh, uh, having the best people, the most senior on your team. Uh, But uh, I mean, this is not the reality for most SaaS companies and not if we talk about a Swedish context neither. 
So, of course, you also need to, to bring in talent. I mean, any, uh, if, if you get this right, you have the mix. So you have the senior ones uh, to influence, to, to be good role models, to help out, but you also continuously work on the talent side of things to bring up your own talents, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Being, being a sponge and getting new, uh, new input all the time. Yeah, and I mean, uh, an example how I typically work with this and what I feel is important. So if you work with maybe inside sales or business development, uh, those are typically more junior roles. Um, could, yeah. could be that you find senior people there as well, but typically more junior. Uh, typical uh, less requirement in terms of uh, um, experience, etc., for me it's super important to hire someone into that function that wants to do sales um to want to be an enterprise sales rep or whatever it is um and then of course you need to make the foundation for them to have that career path and um and then of course mix up this uh to have a, a good uh journey uh, should be well defined and it should contain a lot of you know educational items um to specifics uh if you if you book a meeting for a sales rep if you're a bdr uh yeah you should join that first meeting um, a little bit depending on yep. your approach but from the customer side you don't want to repeat yourself if you had a poor handover you're there to support as a bdr but then you also learn mm. the trade You get the signals. Uh, did I do the right qualification or not? Um, I can hear that with my own ears in that meeting. So I think yeah. that's kind of how I usually like to work with the mix. That's uh, one example. And, and, I, and I think also like uh, from, from a CRO perspective, the cross-departmental collaboration is super important. So even transferring knowledge between like a sales rep or customer success or, or marketer have the them sit in on a meeting uh, how would you um, describe you uh, achieve that knowledge sharing if you want to try to tighten up the loop uh, or the team as a CRO yeah it's it is a tough one just to, to start with um, mm. uh, it's it's not easy and you have to spend a lot of time on it but I think everything starts with uh, Uh, having the same targets or same, um, well, same targets, talk the same language. Uh, I think the example of, of marketing is, I mean, you could be a brilliant marketing department. And uh, if you feel that your responsibility ends with a, an MQL, so handing over a lead, I think yeah. you have failed. So that would be a CRO <laughs> question. So if you kind of, picture that I deliver you a beautiful MQL, but what's 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 wrong, sales? You're not uh, converting this to the degree that we yeah. expect. Well, I mean, that's shared responsibility, right? So having mm. that clear definition of what is actually, you know, what do we want to accomplish this? This is the start. And then you, you need to define that process well. Uh, and then you need not only two eyes, but four eyes uh, across departmental to uh, to figure it out. Um, yeah, um, yeah I'm, as yeah. a sort of north uh, north star metric for for the different departments to look at, and not just this is mine, and then we cut, and that's yours. Yeah, 
No, absolutely. And and this is a little bit again back to what is the responsibility of a CRO because typically when you enter any type of company, they say, okay, so you will have the sales team. Okay, but then I'm not a CRO. Uh, okay, but you get marketing uh, as well. So they will report up to you. Okay, but what about mm. customer success? I mean, what about products? Um, of course, responsibility is one thing and it will help to, you know, Put the mandate on who who decides and how do we you know in the end who holds responsibility for it um but um uh, it needs to be super clear uh and i think that is one of the keys of course also to enhance collaboration and uh, so on uh, i think yeah. uh, just another example if we talk about marketing sales here i mean how many companies are working with an old bound strategy? Yeah. Versus, I like that word. It's good. Yeah. Versus inbound outbound strategy. I mean, uh, yeah. if we think about if it's demand that we want to create, if we do accept that our uh, buyer personas are spending 50% of their uh, buyer's journey without even meeting us, right? Um, what is important? Um, yeah probably to create that demand uh, so we'll have a constructive uh, a conversation once uh, we hit them and then it doesn't matter if it was inbound or outbound so um, yeah. Yeah. And, and also to to give um, the sales reps more time to spend on the like qualitative discussions and not just repeating messaging that could have been on the website so basically help the, the customer qualify or disqualify themselves in the buyer process as you said Absolutely. Um, I would say essential. Also, I think in terms of uh, of demand out there, what is sales expected to do? Um, so even if you work with, with large deals, whatever, uh, yeah. you need quality into the cases, but you also need uh, quantity. I think very few uh, enjoy the luxury of, you know, not having five meetings a day, uh, et cetera, to, to be able to make yeah. the numbers work. Uh and I rather meet someone who's better qualified before no spending my time um, uh, on the wrong things. Yeah, that's that's also something um, you you learn after a couple of years uh, to disqualify harder and earlier. Uh, okay, moving topics. Uh, a couple of quick ones. Um, quick questions and quick answers. Are you ready? Yeah, let's try. <laughs> All right, nice. Uh, if you could give one advice to junior salespeople or people that's uh, quite early in their career, uh, one thing, what would you say? Um, create your own success. Nice. <laughs> if I would ask your team, uh, which question does Joachim nag about the most, what would they say? Um yeah this is supposed to be a quick one um <laughs> unfortunately i have to say currently pipeline management <laughs> okay so, so is the pipeline up to date basically <laughs> well uh, uh kind of yes yeah mm, cool and uh if um uh, you or your team are using ChatGPT, uh what uh, do you use it for um verticalization uh trying to understand a little bit the differences i think uh, 
when it comes to, to different verticals and different buyer personas, etc. I would say that is kind of would be the most uh, relevant use case. And the favorite tool either in your tech stack at the moment or that you have used ever? Um, yeah, so I mean, currently uh, it's always the newest one, right? Uh, so, uh, so Cogniz, I have to answer to the first question. Um, yeah. I think yeah, historically, um, uh, trying to remember the name of it, but it was a, a beautiful uh kind of early version of uh, forecasting-based support in Salesforce. They were acquired by SAP mm-hmm. and yeah, they would screwed it up, I would say. Uh, <laughs> I, I, push, I can't remember. Okay. Maybe I'll remember the name, but that was, I was dead sharp with my forecast and it was such a good support. Okay, but it, it, it's probably not as good today since the SAP killed it. No, I think there's there's other, uh, other players in the market as well now uh, doing similar things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, in short, for those that don't know, what uh, what does Cognizm help you with? Uh, it helps you to, um, I mean, in the simplest form, um, get uh, good quality data on uh, all the different organizations and customers out there. Uh, how many employees, uh, what kind of tech stack are they using, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, which means you can pull good data into Salesforce uh, not or whatever CRM you're using and not depending yeah. on manual input. The other one is that they are actually uh, good at um, uh, contact information. So anyone yeah. uh, using Salesforce Navigator or uh, sorry, LinkedIn Navigator and similar, um, it's good to find the personas and who's working in X department, etc. Uh, but typically, there's a lack of contact information. Mm. Nice. And uh, moving on to a bit of a, like a cultural aspect. Uh, I mean, being a CRO, it's all about the revenue. And the revenue, uh, then you have to be available uh, often and always. Uh, how... Um, how have you been balancing work-life balance? Uh, do you have any advice or any uh, any faults, maybe, that you've experienced in in, in your career? Um, yeah, it's always a struggle. Uh, I think uh, one big reflection on this uh, for myself, uh, and what I would also use as an advice, is that uh, it's self-responsibility in the end of the day. Um, I think when I started my career, I expected that people would take care of me and think about these things. <laughs> I, I soon yeah. realized that maybe that was uh, was not the case. Um, of course, yeah. you have good managers and you have uh, less good managers during your career. A good manager will probably most likely care for this and, and try to help you. But uh, I think yeah. the best thing is not to expect too much of it. Um uh, for myself, I um, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of a uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Brave comes to my personality, and I I do at some points just say, okay, uh, the water glass is full. I need to kind of take a pause. I need half a day or a day and just do reflections and uh, find the energy again. So take responsibility for it. Is is kind of the key. Yeah, no one's going to do it for you. And if you have too much, you have to say no, basically. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think that's um, something that you, you have to learn early that, yes, you can get support from your manager, but in the end, it's up to you. And if you are not talking about it, no one can read minds, right? So you have to be transparent in when you feel that there's too much or when you need assistance or, or whatever it can be. Yeah, that's a really good point as well. So like raise your hand. I mean, there is help, but typically you need to initiate it. Um, most people are good people and they want to support you on this. Uh, but to your point, uh, yeah, it could be good to mention it as well. Mm -hmm. And on the, the uh, like work-life balance uh, topic as well, culture, uh, can you please just mention a couple of things that you, your team or NetGate do that you would say create a really good culture? Yeah, I mean, culture is, it, it's a vast subject, uh, but... It's fluffy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fluffy, but still yet so important, right? So, mm. um, I mean, first off, hire good people. Uh, yep. And that is also a good cultural match. I mean, that would be kind of my number one if we talk about culture. Of course, to know if it's a good cultural fit, you should probably have a very clear definition of what your culture is um, mm. or maybe what you want your culture to be uh, if you're working on it, right? Um, I think uh, open communication is also super important. Um, if we are not open or clear in our communication if we're in the in the area of culture uh how do we even know that we're heading the the same direction um so that is uh of course really uh important yeah and and uh, would you say that you can describe the culture that you want to have in like a one sentence slogan of some sort or how how do you set that like we want to be x um, I, I think probably you can define it, uh, in one sentence, but, uh, um, then that leaves room for interpretation. So of course that needs to kind of be well, more well-documented than that. I think yeah. I didn't quite answer you on the Netigate part, actually, like yeah. one of the main reasons why I'm here is because I perceived and liked the culture. Also going back to our, um, CEO Mikkel. Uh, yeah. And for me, what is um, uh, really important if we talk about culture is having genuine people uh, with a good interest of, of moving forward, uh, yeah. transparent, open. And uh, I, I do believe uh, very strongly that uh, uh, also after X month here that this is, uh, this is how we do it. Um, That's good. Mm. Good advice. Um, last but not least... Um... Do you have any other topics that you would say are interesting to cover in a, in a podcast form like this or any people that you would want me to invite? Interesting people within preferably Europe when it comes to sauce. Yeah, so that took away some of them I list, but uh, uh, <laughs> of course I, I have, there's a lot of people that uh, uh, I find super relevant and that are good influencers uh, uh maybe not for the podcast then but um i would say uh, orlob is brilliant in putting out material you got jason lemkin i think you have kind mm. of the, the usual suspects here if we talk uh, sauce context i think yeah. we, if we dial it down a little bit um uh, a very interesting person um 
Sami Rajab, founder of uh, Value Orbit, um, yeah. also CEO there. Uh, it's AI guided uh, sales. Uh, really, some really interesting takes on it. Um, yeah. He has uh, a big uh, background as a sales leader. He worked for some of the more successful companies, Oracle, Salesforce, etc., before starting uh, Value Orbit. That would yeah. be very interesting to hear. Um, I think probably uh, a person I'm working with to, uh, today, uh, Raul Navarrete. Brilliant mind, uh, the best I've seen when it comes to building um, uh, business development or inside sales departments. Uh, yeah. um, that would be interesting to hear more about. Nice. Awesome. Thanks for, for that. Um, wrapping up and I'm, I'm gonna let you to do a bit of a self-promotion here uh because as you said focusing more about like the buyer journey is going to be important if you would were to give one advice for a company that's starting to think about this uh, kind of problems that you solve the the employee and the the satisfaction score and so on uh how do you start looking for a software and what what's like the first question that you should be uh, answering when you when you set out to buy uh, one of those uh, products that you have yeah i think uh you need to you need to first think about your own budgets because you will have the full range from free to to enterprise rights um yeah so map yourself in where you want to be and then start looking at uh, relevant solutions for for that budget range. Uh, I think, as always, depending on how complex we want to be, uh, integrations is another super important topic. Should this be a standalone tool that I can use for something, or do I need to connect this with other processes and data? Um, that would be you know, a, a requirement, uh, requirement from the start. Um, I think as well, there's, yeah, there's a few good kind of review sites. So we're starting to talk about the review economy. Uh, What we need to remember is that all of them are, their business model is to get money from other software vendors. So even though it's neutral, we need to remember that uh, whoever pays the most will end up in that uh, upper right corner. Um, Yeah. So I think it's really, you know, the mix of uh, whatever you can Google, chat GPT, the review sites, um, social media, influencers, etc. I think that's kind of a good start to map it in. Uh, And of course, being in sales, um, don't wait too long. You can get super good support by actually asking, hey, can you just explain how this works to me? Don't sit and do research forever and think that you found the perfect solution. Talk to people. That's why uh, why we are here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I um, uh, heard about a thing called analysis paralysis, uh, which is basically when you research too much and you get so much information that you have to learn more things over and over and over, and then it just gets too big and then you skip it. Uh, so I think it's good to talk to an expert instead. Sounds like my private life sometimes when I'm making buying yeah. decisions. I'm one of those. It's terrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll look. I'll look under that headline. It might help me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 
Nice, that's good. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up uh, now with a couple of my takeaways uh, from what you've said. Uh, one thing is uh, in terms of the sales uh, person, uh, it is not something that you're maybe born with, but rather it's a mindset. You have to learn the domain and also the product, uh, which is good news because all of those three can actually be taught, right? Um, another one in terms of uh, tag alongs to share knowledge, uh, if I can phrase it like that, but basically, uh, yeah collaborate between the, the teams and the departments to to understand uh, the crossing line so to say where you hand it over uh, and last but not least in terms of work-life balance it's up to you in the end so don't uh, <laughs> don't blame others listen to yourself and there to say no and I know that that last part is a bit cynical but I think yeah let's not put too much false expectations out there <laughs> yeah now, but it's a, it's a hard truth, and of course, it's difficult to say no. But I think it's good to be reminded of just like leaning towards the gut feeling in the end, uh, because that's uh, probably going to help you to make decisions for you. Absolutely. Mm. Nice, Joachim. Thanks a lot for for joining me and uh, sharing your knowledge and expertise. And uh, it was uh, really good having you on board. Thank you very much, Max. Appreciate it. Uh, and uh, good luck with the future episodes as well. Thank you very much. Take care. See ya. You too. Cheers. All right. Shifting the focus to you that's been listening. Just want to remind you that this is an interactive podcast. So hit the link in the episode description. There, you can join the discussion with other listeners and comment on episodes. You can also submit ideas for upcoming guests, topics, or simply upload what other people have already suggested. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it to someone that might be curious, friends, co-worker, or that random person in your LinkedIn feed. Last but not least, leave a rating if you enjoyed it. While you're at it, add me on LinkedIn to see short video clips from the podcast, and enjoy the rest of your day. See ya! Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I wanna witch my prospects. Set your phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I wanna witch my prospects. Set your phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. Gotta hit the phone.